Part One of The Creature from Cleveland Depths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This story was first published in Galaxy Magazine, December 1962. The Creature from Cleveland Depths by Fritz Sliber. Part One. Come on, Gussie, Faye prodded quietly. Quit stalking around like a neurotic bear and suggest something for my invention team to work on. I enjoy visiting you and Daisy, but I can't stay above ground all night. If being outside the shelters makes you nervous, don't come around any more. Gusterson told him, continuing to stalk. Why doesn't your invention team think of something to invent? Why don't you? Ha! In the ha lay triumphant condemnation of a whole way of life. We do, Faye responded imperturbably, but a fresh viewpoint sometimes helps. I'll say it does, Faye, you burglar. I'll bet you've got twenty people like myself you milk for free ideas. First you irritate their bark, and then you make the rounds every so often to draw off the latex or the maple gloop. Faye smiled. It ought to please you that society still has a use for you ultra-inner-directed types. It takes something to make a junior executive stay above ground after dark when the missiles are on the prowl. Society can't have much use for us, or it'd pay us something, Gusterson sourly asserted, staring blankly at the tankless TV and kicking it lightly as he passed on. No, you're wrong about that, Gussie. Money's not the key goad with you in our directeds. I got that straight from our motivations chief. Did he tell you what we should use instead to pay the grocer? A deep inner sense of achievement, maybe? Faye, why should I do any free thinking for microsystems? I'll tell you why, Gussie. Simply because you get a kick out of insulting us with sardonic ideas. If we take one of them seriously, you think we're degrading ourselves, and that pleases you even more. Like making someone laugh at a lousy pun. Gusterson held still in his roaming and grinned. That's the reason, huh? I suppose my suggestions would have to be something in the line of ultra-subminiaturized computers, where one sinister fine-etched molecule does the work of three big bumbling brain cells. Not necessarily. Microsystems is branching out. We'll as free as a rogue star. But I'll pass along to promotion your one-molecule-three-brain-cell sparkler. It's a slight exaggeration, but it's catchy. I'll have my kids watch your ads to see if you use it, and then I'll soothe the whole underworld. Gusterson frowned as he resumed his stalking. He stared puzzledly at the antique TV. How about inventing a plutonium termite, he said suddenly. It would get rid of those stockpiles that are worrying you moles to death. 
Fay grimaced noncommittally and cocked his head. Well, then, how about a beauty mask? How about that, hey? I don't mean one to repair a woman's complexion, but one she'd wear all the time that'd make her look like a seventeen-year-old sexpot. That'd end her worries. Hey, that's for me, Daisy called from the kitchen. I'll make Gusterson suffer. I'll make him crawl around on his hands and knees, begging my immature favors. No, you won't, Gusterson called back. You having a face like that would scare the kids. Better cancel that one, Fay. Half the adult race looking like Vina Vidarson is too awful a thought. Yeah, you're just scared of making a million dollars, Daisy jeered. I sure am, Gusterson said solemnly, scanning the fuzzy floor from one murky glass wall to the other, hesitating at the TV. How about something homey now, like a flock of little prickly cylinders that roll around the floor collecting lint and flub? They'd work by electricity, or at a pinch cats could bat them around. Every so often they'd be automatically herded together and the lint cleaned off their bristles. No good, Fay said. There's no lint underground, and cats are verboten. And the above-ground markets don't amount to more money-wise than the state of southern Illinois. Keep it grander, Gussie, and more impractical. You can't sell people merely useful ideas. From his hassock in the center of the room, he looked uneasily around. Say, did that violet tone in the glass come from the high Cleveland hydrogen bomb? Or is it just age and ultraviolet, like desert glass? No, somebody's grandfather liked it that color, Gusterson informed him with happy bitterness. I like it too. The glass, I mean, not the tint. People who live in glass houses can see the stars, especially when there's a window-washing streak in their germplasm. Gussie, why don't you move underground? Fay asked, his voice taking on a missionary note. It's a lot easier living in one room, believe me. You don't have to tramp from room to room hunting things. I like the exercise, Gusterson said stoutly. But I bet Daisy'd prefer it underground, and your kids wouldn't have to explain why their father lives like a red Indian, not to mention the safety factor and insurance saving and a crypt church within easy slidewalk distance. Incidentally, we see the stars all the time, better than you do, by repeater. Stars by repeater, Gusterson murmured to the ceiling, pausing for God to comment. Then, no, Fay, even if I could afford it and stand it, I'm such a bad luck, Harry, that just when I got us all safely stowed in the N minus one sublevel, the Soviets would discover an earthquake bomb that struck from below, and I'd have to follow everybody back to the treetops. Hey! How about bubble homes in orbit around Earth? Microsystems could subdivide the world's most spacious suburb, and all you moles could go ellipsing. Safe is as safe as there is. No air, no shock waves. Free falls the ultimate in restfulness. Great health benefits. Commute by rocket, or better yet, stay home and do all your business by TV telephone, 
or by Waldo, if it were that sort of thing. Even pet your girl by remote control, she in her bubble, you in yours, whizzing through vacuum. Oh, damn, 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 damn! He was glaring at the blank screen on the TV, his big hands clenching and unclenching. Don't let Faye give you apoplexy. He's not worth it, Daisy said, sticking her trim head in from the kitchen, while Faye inquired anxiously, Gussie, what's the matter? Nothing, you worm, Gusterson roared, except that an hour ago I forgot to tune in on the only TV program I wanted to hear this year. Finnegan's Wake, scored for English, Gaelic, and Brogue. Oh, damn, damn, damn. Too bad, Faye said lightly. I didn't know they were releasing it on flat TV, too. Well, they were. Some things are too damn big to keep completely underground. And I had to forget. I'm always doing it. I miss everything. Look here, you rat. He blatted suddenly at Faye, shaking his finger under the latter's chin. I'll tell you what you can have that ignorant team of yours invent. They can fix me up with a mechanical secretary that I can feed orders into and that'll remind me when the exact moment comes to listen to TV or phone someone or mail in a story or write a letter or pick up a magazine or look at an eclipse or a new orbiting station or fetch the kids from school or buy Daisy a bunch of flowers or whatever it is. It's got to be something that's always with me, not something I have to go and consult or that I can get sick of and put down somewhere. And it's got to remind me forcibly enough so that I take notice and don't just shrug it aside, like I sometimes do even when Daisy reminds me of things. That's what your stupid team can invent for me. If they do a good job, I'll pay them as much as fifty dollars. That doesn't sound like anything so very original to me, Faye commented coolly leaning back from the wagging finger i think all senior executives have something of that sort at least their secretary keeps some sort of file i'm not looking for something with spiked falsies and nylons up to the neck interjected gusterson whose ideas about secretaries were a trifle lurid i just want a mech reminder that's all well i'll keep the idea in mind Faye assured him, along with the bubble homes and beauty masks. If we ever develop anything along those lines, I'll let you know. If it's a beauty mask, I'll bring Daisy a pilot model to use to scare strange kids. He put his watch to his ear. Good Lord, I'm going to have to cut to make it underground before the main doors close. Just ten minutes to second curfew. Bye, Gus. Bye, Days. Two minutes later, living room lights out. They watched Faye's foreshortened ant-like figure scurrying across the balding, ill-lit park toward the nearest escalator. Gusterson said, We're to think of that big, bright, space-poor glamour basement stretching around everywhere underneath. Did you remind Smitty to put a new bulb in the elevator? The Smiths moved out this morning, Daisy said tonelessly. They went underneath. Like cockroaches gusterson said 
Cockroaches leaving a stinking apartment building. Next, the ghosts will be retreating to the shelters. Anyhow, from now on, we're our own janitors, Daisy said. He nodded. Just leaves three families besides us loyal to this glass death trap. Not counting ghosts. He sighed. Then, you like to move below, Daisy? He asked softly, putting his arm lightly across her shoulders. Get a woozy eye full of the bright lights and all for a change. Be a rat for a while. Maybe we're getting too old to be bats. I could scrounge me a company job and have a thinking closet all to myself and two secretaries with stainless steel breasts. Life'd be easier for you and a lot cleaner. And you'd sleep safer. That's true, she answered and paused. She ran her fingertips slowly across the murky glass, its violet tint barely perceptible against a cold, dim light across the park. But somehow, she said, snaking her arm around his waist, I don't think I'd sleep happier, or one bit excited. End of Part One